Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, January 22nd, 2023. It focuses on the salvation we have in Christ. The message to all who will listen is freedom and salvation is available only through faith in Jesus, apart from the law. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. All right, we are ready to talk about Galatians again. If you remember, we're going back to 1988. These are messages that I wrote way, way long ago. And just wanted to go back and remember what God was saying then and use that to bless us today. And so let's, let's take a look at what God has to say to us. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 4 today if you want to kind of get a head start toward the end of Galatians chapter 4, actually, and just want to review for you a little bit, and when it comes up and says sermon 5 and sermon 6, you'll know that's how short those sermons were, and maybe you'll, maybe you'll long for those old days, I don't know. Anyway, we're going to review a little bit of what we've uh, learned from the book of Galatians, and remember that Paul was writing to this group of believers and this is what he hoped to accomplish. You see, some people had come into the church and were trying to make these new Gentile converts follow after the law. This was something that the Jewish people had never been really capable of doing in themselves in that they didn't have the Holy Spirit's help. They were always trying to follow the law, but were not very good at it. That's why they had to keep making sacrifices over and over and over. And so these people were telling these Gentile converts that they had to be circumcised, that they had to follow the law, and that if they didn't follow the law, they couldn't be true followers of Jesus. They were trying to make these people fit into their mold. They didn't want to offend God. And so Richard Foster tells a story that illustrates just what these people were doing. Consider the tale of Hans the tailor. Because of his reputation, an influential entrepreneur visiting the city ordered a tailor-made suit from Hans. But when he came to pick up his suit, the customer found that one sleeve twisted one way and the other the other. One shoulder bulged out and the other caved in. He pulled and struggled and finally wrenched himself and contorted himself and he managed to make his body fit the suit. As he returned home on the bus, another passenger noticed his appearance and asked if Hans the tailor had made his suit. Receiving an affirmation, the man remarked, Amazing. I knew that Hans was a good tailor, but I had no idea he could make a suit fit so perfectly someone as deformed as you. Yeah. So these men in, in Paul's day were trying to twist and contort the believers to fit into their mold, to fit into a twisted gospel suit, which wasn't really a gospel suit at all, but going back to the law and going back to living morally and trying to do it on your own. Paul is writing to wake up the Galatians, and he's writing and working among the Galatians, trying to straighten things out. 
and present them with salvation by grace, which was tailor-made, if I may say so, by Christ for all who would believe. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31, Paul continues his arguments by referring allegorically back to a dispute between two women, both wives, of a man named Abraham. Heard of him? We've talked about him before and about how his faith was credited to him as righteousness. He had lots of good things going for him, but every once in a while he got things wrong, and so did his wives. And so let's read what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31, and then we'll come back and talk about that. So Paul is addressing the church in Galatia, and he says, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman. You who never bore a child, shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband." Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Let's pause and pray. God, we've heard your word, and we want it to sink in. We want it to change the way that we think and the way that we understand who you are. And so I pray, God, that you would bring about fruit in our lives through the reading of your word and through talking about what you've said to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage starts out, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? Paul, in effect, is saying, have you read the whole thing? Do you know all of the rules? Do you understand that if you, if you choose to live by these things, that you're going to be bound by all of it? Have you read the whole book? Or just kind of skimmed it? Or just taken in what somebody else has said? It's most likely that they were only getting what people said because they didn't have books like we do today. So they were having to take what these men who were coming in had said, and they're just assuming that what they're telling them is the truth. In the scripture, they would have seen examples of bondage and would want nothing to do with them if they knew the scriptures. It's interesting to note that for the Jews, the law included all of the first five books of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant so the story that Paul now records is part of the law. The story of Hagar 
and Sarah. I'm reading through the Bible this year and doing it chronologically, so we just got to this passage. I just read it not too long ago. And for the Jewish people, this was a familiar story, but for the Gentiles, it might have been something new. Perhaps they'd heard it because they were in the area near Israel, but it's likely that many of them had never heard the story. And so he's telling them of it. If you look at the story of Hagar and Sarah and of Ishmael and Isaac, you know that the first child born to Abraham was Ishmael, right? The first son born was Ishmael. And there was nothing special about his birth. Abraham and Hagar were of childbearing age. They were healthy people, and so they had a baby. It happens all the time. But the birth of Isaac was different in that Abraham was 100 years old. You know any 100-year-olds that are having babies? Not very many. And Sarah, his wife, was 90 years old. They were not in their prime. Not telling anybody anything new, I hope. If you're in your 90s or 80s, you're probably not in your prime, but that's okay. We like you. You're not going to have kids, most likely. The only way for Sarah to give birth was for a miracle to take place. And that miracle did take place just as God promised it would. God enabled her to become pregnant. A simple story of God's power at work, but Paul suggests here that it had spiritual meaning as well. Hagar represents the Old Covenant, or we call it the Old Testament, with all of its laws and rituals and regulations and all its moral commands. She is the covenant of Mount Sinai where God instituted the law, and because she was a slave, all her children would be slaves as well. So those who follow after the law are her children spiritually, and they are in bondage to the law. The present Jerusalem, Paul says, is her city, because even today the Jews follow these old traditions of the old covenant, and they're bound by them. But now there's a new covenant, which is represented by Sarah and her promised son, Isaac. Because Sarah was a free woman, all of her offspring would be free as well. The promise was that all the world would be blessed through Abraham's seed. And we know that God renewed that promise to Isaac when he was between places after he had deceived Esau. God spoke the promise to him that through his offspring, just like he did to Abraham, his father, through his offspring, all the world would be blessed and that the the blessing would come through Abraham's seed. Christ was that seed. He was the promised one. And he came from the line of the promised son Isaac and brought salvation and freedom from sin to all who would believe in him. If you have believed in him, you have received the promise. You are living in that promise of blessing, that promise of life. Those who follow Christ are not in bondage as those who follow the law are. Our city, our city is the new Jerusalem, this Jerusalem that's from above. And it's described in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 7. There's more to it than this, but I want you to hear what John saw. 
John was on the island of Patmos. If you remember at the beginning of the book, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and the Lord came and he gave him this vision of what was to come. And this is what he says about the new Jerusalem. Again, Revelation 21, starting at verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And can I pause for a moment and say, doesn't that sound good? No more death or crying or pain, none of that stuff. Woo! Old order, we're living in it. There's a new order coming. All right, verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Woohoo! What an exciting passage. This is the inheritance of those who have put their faith in Christ. This is what we have to look forward to if we believe in Jesus and if we follow him. This salvation by grace has been made available to all nations, and so Isaiah's prophecy has come true. You find it there in verse 27 of Galatians. Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Through this barren woman, and Sarah was barren, right? The whole world, including the Gentiles, have been blessed. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham and to Sarah and brought salvation to everyone who asks for it and who receives it by faith. The nation of Israel often rebelled against God, but he remained faithful to them and to his covenant, just as the parent in this selection from Christian Theology in Plain Language by Bruce Shelley tells us. In modern times, we define a host of relations by contracts. These are usually for goods or services and for hard cash. The contract, formal or informal, helps to specify failure in these relationships. The Lord did not establish a contract with Israel or with the church. He created a covenant. There's a difference. Contracts are broken when one of the parties fails to keep his promise. If, let's say, a patient fails to keep an appointment with a doctor, the doctor is not obligated to call the house and inquire, where are you? Why didn't you show up for your appointment? He simply goes on to his next patient and has his appointment secretary take note of the patient who failed to keep the appointment. The patient may find it harder the next time to see the doctor. He broke an informal contract. According to the Bible, however, the Lord asks, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. The Bible indicates the covenant is, is more like the ties of a parent to her child than it is a doctor's appointment. If a child fails to show up for dinner, the parent's obligation 
unlike the doctor's, isn't canceled. The parent finds out where the child is and makes sure he's cared for. One member's failure does not destroy the relationship. God was faithful to his covenant with Abraham and the nation of Israel, even when they chose to ignore or even hate him. We can be thankful today because God is still faithful to his promise. He's faithful to every promise. If he has said something is true, then it is true. And he has said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can know that this is true because God said it and he has accomplished it through his blood shed on the cross. In the same manner, we can be sure of our inheritance as sons of the free woman in the New Jerusalem because Paul has told us in his writings to the church in Galatians that we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. And so we are inheritors of the promise, not of bondage. Why burden ourselves with the observance of the law when we can be set free from our own efforts by God's Spirit working in us by his grace to help us and to keep us from sin and to assure us that we are indeed his children. Now, the following parable was told by a pastor in the Philippines to illustrate what people are like who don't completely trust in Christ, who continually get bogged down by the bondage to the law. The driver of a wagon drawn by a water buffalo was on his way to market when he overtook an old man carrying a heavy load. Taking compassion on the man, the driver invited him to ride in the wagon. Gratefully, the old man accepted. I guess it would be more proper to say older, sorry. After a few minutes, the driver turned to see how the man was doing. To his surprise, he found him still straining under the heavy weight for he had not taken the burden off his shoulders. What a crazy thing to do. He could have enjoyed his ride taking the burden off his shoulders and relaxing. Instead, he kept it on and gained nothing. This man is acting like these Galatian believers who had been set free. They had known Christ. They had known that he had died for them. They had put their faith in him for salvation by grace, but they're not resting in that faith. They have to do something. These men came in and told them you've got more to do, and they believed them, and they were convinced that they needed to be circumcised and that they had to follow the law. Some today are convinced that they can only gain salvation if they give enough or do enough or say the right things all of the time, and they take on this cumbersome load. They've been offered this ride in the back of the wagon, and they won't take off the burden. Salvation must somehow be earned is the thought, because surely we don't deserve it. And that's the truth. We don't deserve it. But Christ has given it to us free of charge because of the promise that he made to Abraham, that through him all nations would be blessed. There is nothing that we have to do to gain salvation beyond repentance and accepting the gift that Christ bought for us with his blood on the cross. Amen? Making sure you're awake. Don't miss this. So the churches in Galatia were struggling under such a burden because some had come in after Paul and were trying to convince them that they had to be circumcised in order to be saved. 
They bought it hook, line, and sinker, it seems, or at least some of them did, enough that Paul had to write. And so Paul is telling them the truth about what God has for them. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 15, Paul emphasizes the freedom that we have in Christ. It didn't make sense to the Galatians, and it may not make sense to many today, but the fact remains the same. Christ died for our sins. We can do no better than to accept that in order to gain salvation. So let's read these verses and see what Paul has to say to us. Again, this is verses 1 through 15. This is good news. Pay attention. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So if we were to go back and look at verse 1 and maybe rewrite it in the context of the story about the water buffalo cart guy, it might go something like this. I picked you up so that you could be free from your burden. This is Christ speaking. I picked you up so that you could be free from your burden. Take off your pack and don't let somebody put it back on your shoulders. Paul was trying to show the Galatian believers that Christ had given them a chance to take off the burden of sin, the burden of the law, to take off their guilt and to rest in him. The Galatians, however, evidently were workaholics or worksaholics. They just couldn't take off that pack and relax. They had taken it off, but they had taken up an equally heavy load in trying to gain what they had been given freely by their own efforts. And it did them no good at all. Salvation by the law and salvation by grace are two very different things. One works, one does not. They are mutually exclusive. If you have one, you cannot have the other. Only salvation by grace will be accepted by God. Only salvation by grace is actually salvation. 
It's just like going to the gas station that has signs everywhere that say, cash only, no checks, no credit cards, no bills, over $20. Pretty restrictive, right? If you go to one of those and you try to write a check or you pull out your Discover card or you, you hand over a $50 bill, what's going to happen? Cash only means cash only. Less than $20 means less than $20. There's only one way to pay, cash with bills no larger than $20. And salvation by grace is God's chosen way, and therefore it is the only way for us to have salvation. It's the only thing that pays for sins, not works, not anything else. It's Jesus. Those who try to be saved by following the law do not receive salvation. They receive bondage. They are obligated to follow the whole thing. You can't just pick and choose the parts that you like and throw out the rest. Now we have to be careful at this point that we don't get the idea that since we're not saved by the law that we can disobey it. The freedom from the law that Paul is speaking of in this passage is from the rituals and the ceremonial law and all those obligations. It's not from what God wants for us. It's not freedom to go and murder, for instance, or go and commit adultery or whatever. We are free from having to offer the lambs and the goats and the cows and the doves and all those things. We're not free to go out and kill and maim and destroy. Paul says it plainly in verse 13. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. There's this joke that I heard way back in 1988. Perhaps you've heard it. Humor me, laugh, okay? So there was this little boy who really wanted a bicycle. And he saw it in the store one day, and he really wanted that bicycle, and so he went home and he prayed to God that God would give him that bicycle. And after several days of praying and no bicycle, he went and stole it. His explanation when he was confronted, when he was caught, was, I wanted that bicycle, so I prayed for it, and then I realized that God didn't work that way, so I went and I stole it, and now I'll ask for forgiveness. <laughs> we have not received that kind of freedom. Our freedom is not to indulge the flesh. It's not to do whatever we like, but to submit ourselves to Christ so that he can free us from our sin. The rest of verse 13 shed some light on what we are to use our freedom for, and that is to serve one another humbly in love. Our freedom from guilt makes us able to serve others and to love Christ and to live for him. While we are never saved by works, it is because we are saved that we can serve others in love. Because we've been loved, we love. So what kind of freedom do we have? We have the freedom to live a holy life, a righteous life, because Christ has taken our sin away and has given us righteousness that is his. We have freedom to love others because we are loved, to accept others because we have been accepted. Now we come to an important point. Just because we're accepted by Christ doesn't mean that we will be accepted by others. Paul was persecuted because he preached the message of salvation apart from circumcision and the law. He says, if I want to stop being persecuted, I'll just, I'll just preach circumcision and everybody will be happy. 
And so because he refused to do that, because the good news is you don't need that, he was always in danger because of the Jews who didn't like what he was doing, didn't like what he was saying. Paul preached that Christ was the only way to salvation. And it stirred up hatred for those who wanted to boast in the flesh of others. If he had not insisted on salvation by grace alone through faith in Christ alone, he would have been left alone. But he had to insist on these things because these are the things that are at the heart of the gospel message that Christ died to free us from the burden of the law and to give us life in him. The Galatians had started out great, but someone had cut in on them, and they were hurt by this. Verse 15 tells us, gives us some indication that this church was not at peace, that they were fighting amongst themselves. Perhaps some were trying to hold to what Paul said, and some weren't, and they were biting and devouring each other, it says. How else were they to act? They had once been set free from the burden of sin, and they had gotten the much-needed rest that they desired, and now they're picking up this new burden, and they're kind of angry about it. And so they're biting with words and devouring with their attitudes toward another. They're not loving one another because they're not in Christ, following Christ and enjoying his presence and his rest. And they would certainly destroy each other and their church if they continued in this way. That's why Paul is writing, in order to rescue them from this very real danger. There's more danger than just to yourself if you're believing in salvation by works. You become a judge of others. You begin to tear them down. Our works of service to God come out of the love that he has put in our hearts. Our works of service to others come out of that same heart. When the law becomes a burden to us, they become an unbearable duty, a necessity for salvation, and that's when we are most susceptible to Satan's attacks on us. And he will tell us we're not doing enough, that we're not righteous enough, that we don't measure up. But Christ says, come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Christ has done everything for us. All we have to do is accept that work that he's done on the cross and receive it. And he will help us to serve one another out of love. He will help us, and he will give us the salvation that we long for. Amen? We keep getting reminded by this letter from Paul to the Galatians that it's by faith in Jesus that we find salvation, not by our works. So let's depend upon that. God, help us to let the truth sink in. Help us to receive by faith the gift of salvation that you purchased through your son's blood. We thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you that we don't have to take up the burden of the law anymore, but that you, through your spirit living in us, helps us to live out your righteousness, which you've given by faith. God, I pray that you'd give us joy in our hearts as we recognize those things and that we would repent of our attempts to do it ourselves instead of depending on you.
Speak to us now. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.